Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. We have a fantastic guest with us today, and I'm really kind of super excited because of the um, how it kind of goes with Phoenix and Flame, because who we have with us is Dave Albin, who happens to have been with Tony Robbins for almost 20 years as the Firewalk captain. And so as you all know, I'm very interested in the whole process of what a phoenix does. There's ash, which we want to know. We all know what that feels like to sit in a pile of ash. And I'd like to hear people's stories of what their experience was like, what their trauma was like, what that was like for them when they just felt like they were just a pile of ash. But then there comes a rising and the phoenix rises. But then how it becomes ash is because there's fire. There's fire involved. And I also really like hearing people's story of what was the fire for them? What happened before they felt like they were a pile of ash? And so I'm really going to be interested to talk to Dave about what that experience was like for him being the firewalk captain for Tony Robbins and also what his experience of fire was personally in his life. Dave, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. It's really great to be here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm really excited. I have so many questions for you, and I, I'm going to start out by asking you, how did you become the number one firewalk instructor in America, and maybe take a few moments and kind of help some of my listeners who who don't know what a firewalk is. Sure, and kind of take us through that. Sure. Um, well, if you look at firewalking culturally, globally, um, it's been around for a thousand years. Uh, the Fahitians, the the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the Indo-Europeans, the Native American Indians, the people of India. It's been used as a as a whole a lot of different ways. You know, it, obviously there's the rite of passage. There's the, um, the graduation, there's ceremonial. It's a very spiritual connection within the tribe. Uh, the Indo Europeans, for example, use it, um, uh, before the warriors would go, the men and warriors would go into battle. They always did a firewalk. And if you didn't do and complete the firewalk, you weren't allowed to go into battle, which meant that you were, you were dishonoring your family. Uh, if you look at the people of India, oh my gosh, they use it in a way that is just way more than any Western culture ha has ever used it. Only because, again, it's hundreds and hundreds of years old over there. Where over here, it may be, what, 30 years old, I think, something like that, maybe three decades. Uh, Tony uh, uh, has had it going on here in, in, in America. So, um, you know, there's something really magical about the entire experience. If you look on my website, I've got a picture of a, of a young mother, and I'm guessing she's probably 19, 20 years old, and she's from India. And, and, what, and what we do when we firewalk is we, we, we burn a fire, 
and we let it burn for hours. And then, and then the coals burn down, they render. And then we take those coals and we shovel those coals on top of sod, on top of grass. And that's how we walk them here in America. Well, over there in India, they actually dig a pit and they fill that pit. Dana, there's got to be at least two to three inches of coals in that pit. And it's kind of concave, it's it, it, the way it's shaped. And the picture shows the woman, she's dressed in these beautiful pastel colors. They're just gorgeous, all the garments that she's wearing. Now, she's got something in her teeth. I don't know what it is. I think it might be a flower of some kind or maybe, um, you know, some type of herb or something like that. And then if you look all around that pit where she is, there's, there's people standing. So I'm assuming it's probably friends and family. And they too are dressed in really bright pastel silk colors. And so you can tell it's a ceremony. You can tell, easily tell it's a ceremony. And, the, and one of the ways you can tell it's a ceremony is she's carrying three newborn babies. So these, these, these children, they've got to be a week old maybe. And, and what's so so it, what just takes you back is that if she was to drop one of those babies, baby wouldn't survive. There's no way. You can't get to it quick enough. It'd have third-degree burns all over it. The other thing about the mother is that she can't get out of that pit, right? If you come to my firewalk, one of our firewalks, right, and you're walking along and, and you, you have to jump off the lane, well, you can exit very quickly if you wanted to, right? Where here you can't. She just, she, you know, it's like, I don't know, a foot and a half tall. So she couldn't really do that. So it, it just goes to show culturally from a firewalk perspective what's out there and how, what an incredible ritual and spiritual connection it is. So I'm guessing again that those children, that that was a graduation for them because of, of their birth. So, you know, but most people here in America are going to associate firewalking with Tony Robbins because Tony's the one who has, has used it here in America. Uh, again, as you said, I worked for him for almost 20 years. That was my job. And so the backstory on that is um, <clears throat> I found Tony Robbins through uh, getting sober in June of 1988. I was grossly addicted to drugs, um, al uh, alcohol, cigarettes. I was a mess. I was a five-car collision of plane crash and a train wreck all rolled into one, right? <laughs> and so I woke up one morning on June 8th and I said, that's it. I'm done. We're not doing this anymore. I'm out. And I was in so much physical and emotional pain. The only answer I thought to relieve myself was to put a bullet in my head. And so that's what I set out to do that morning. And, and what happened to me is that I realized that I was married to a woman who had three kids. And, and I knew that when I pulled that trigger, I was killing them too, right? Um, you know, my, my, I was in the basement. And of course, that's going to leave a heck of a mess. It's going to create PTSD. Um, you know, everybody in the whole town is going to know about it. And so the kids are going to suffer immensely for that. And I remember thinking, you know what? You can't do that. That's just not fair. You've got to figure out another way. And so what I did is I ended up calling Alcoholics Anonymous and this beautiful woman on the phone named Madge uh, got me on the phone and drilled me. I mean, she was in my face and she talked like this, right? <laughs> she, I, I think she probably smoked three packs of Palm Oil non-filter cigarettes a day. And there she was at Intergroup for AA answering the phone and helping people, you know, find the rooms and find the doors of AA. So she actually, uh, after drilling me, she sent a guy to come pick me up, uh, Lauren. And when he came and got me, he took me to my first AA meeting. 
And I actually went to four meetings that day, a 1230, a 430, a 630, and an 830, and it worked. It stuck. And I went to an all-men's group, and they embraced me. They showed me love. They showed me tough love. And they were like, uh, you might want to do everything we tell you to do here for a while. So, and I did. It was total immersion. I, so I went to my first meeting, went to another meeting. Next thing I know, it turned to a week, turned into a month. After a month, I got a little chip. I got a medallion, said one month. Uh, then two months, three months, six months, nine months, and then I got the one-year chip uh, for one year of continuous sobriety. So this coming up June, Dana, I'll have 35 years. Wow. And, and, and so what happened from that is early on, because I had insomnia, I was up late all the time. My sleep patterns were all over the place. And I was up late one night, and there he was. For those of you who don't know, Tony Robbins, you can Google him. Uh, he's pretty well-known. He's pretty famous. He's probably the number one a uh, success coach, probably in the world, if certainly not America. And um, he had an infomercial going and he had, and he talked and I really, and it was funny is I didn't like the guy. He was, I seemed, he seemed to be very, he was so motivated, right? And I was not motivated. All right. With a smile. With a smile. He's all smiley and he's all energetic and he's, you know, he's all motivated. And I'm like, ah, oh, I all can't. positive. You know, get away from me. Right. But he said a couple of things that got me. One, he said was, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I went, whoa, that's pretty profound because I'm in a lot of pain. And that's why I, you know, I told myself I drank for that reason. I, I drank and used drugs to either avoid pain or try to gain pleasure. And then, of course, at one point it turned on me. It didn't do either. And then the other thing he said is, you know, the motivating factor in our life and what drives us is we do things out of inspiration or desperation. And I went, okay, I'm pretty desperate. So I bought his program. And, and to date this, I, I jokingly say, you know, when he sent me the program, it's a 30-day program, it came on these little white things called cassette tapes, <laughs> right? So that's how old it was, right? This is back in the 1980s. This is in like 1988. Oh, and you know what, Dina? I, I, <laughs> I, I opened up the box. I read the instructions. I followed directions. And I did what the man taught me to do. And it worked. Well, what happened from there, I loaned it. I had a buddy in AA that was about a year and a half ahead of me, and we were really tight, and that's what happens in AA. The camaraderie in AA is phenomenal, mm -hmm. and the friendships and the bonding and you know the way we can relate to each other because we could talk to each other in a language that we understood. We knew pain. We knew emotional trauma. We knew what having court dates were like. We knew what traffic accidents looked like and DUIs, and you know what I mean? We knew all that stuff. And, and so anyway, so seven years later, Dan, my buddy calls me on the phone and said, Hey dude, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to town? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. He goes, come on, you're coming with me. He goes, you got me into this. You got to go with me. <laughs> okay, Dan, fine. I'll go with you. So he goes, great. I'll call you back. I'll make the arrangements. Well, heck, he calls me back an hour later and says, here's what they said to do. Number one, uh, hydrate. Drink a lot of water between now and the event, and then bring water with you so that you can stay well hydrated. Number two, bring a lot of snacks. And the reason for that is you're going to spend a lot of time in the room. Well, that's an understatement. Um, and they said, bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. And I go, Dan, how much was the ticket? He said, $700. I said, oh, don't you worry. I'll play full out. Um and, and, you know, right, $700 in 1995 is like seven grand now. 
And and just as I'm getting ready to hang up, Dana, he goes, oh, oh, hey, wait, before you hang up, by the way, I want to let you know something. We're going to be doing a fire walk. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was like it was like time completely slowed down when he said that. It was just like it flowed out of his mouth, <laughs> right? Firewalk. And I remember thinking, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Davy Boy's not going to do that. I'll go to this event, but I'm not going to do a firewalk. Well, you know what's interesting about that decision? What? I didn't. I had no idea what a firewalk even was. So I'm saying no to something, and I don't even know. So fear, it was that was the moment that I well, really sounded really, scary. That sounds scary. It does walk. sound scary, but it's also that moment where you recognize, "Hey, hey help me!" That you know, fear it has has stolen so much from me at that point, right? Because you know, what's the acronym? Face everything and rise, or forget everything and run. Mm. Um, and, and of course, in AA, we say false images appearing real. So I went, "Wow, okay." So I, you know what I mean? I just, it was like a little epiphany there. I, I, I recognized that there was this part of my life that was teaching me that the fears I don't overcome are going to become my limits is really at, at the bottom line. So anyway, you get to the event. Uh, Tony takes the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not doing the fire walk. I'm not saying anything to anybody. I never said anything to Dan, right? When I'm on the phone, I didn't say I wasn't going to do it. I just said, oh, yeah, sure, Dan. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, firewalk. Okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> Hung up the phone. You get there. Tony takes a stage at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, the next thing I know, it's after midnight. Ten hours in a room with Tony Robbins, and he's preparing 3,500 people for this firewalk. Well, all of a sudden, it gets to midnight, and all of a sudden, Tony goes, take off your shoes. And I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 no. You're not going to trick me, pal. I don't think so. And then all of a sudden I go, but wait a minute, dude. If you leave your shoes on and 3,500 people are walking out there with their shoes off, they're going to know you're a coward. So I'm like, well, I can't have that, <laughs> right? So I'll, <laughs> I'll take my shoes off and I'll fake it. So I take my shoes off. Well, the next thing you know, before he's got you going out there, he gets 3,500 people to start chanting, right? So everybody's clapping their hands going, yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's loud and it's intense. And, you know, you're you're getting caught up in it. Well, not only that, when he takes you outside the venue, out into the parking lot, he's got African drummers. So not only is everybody chanting, yes, it's going dun, 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 dun. And you can feel this vibration going through you. And you're like, oh, my gosh, help me. What's, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Well, once you get out there, right? Over in the corner, Dana, he's got this huge fire that's been burning all day. It's been burning for probably 10 hours. And so they stoke it with all this wood. Well, it burns down and it renders and it makes this giant pile of coals. So what they do is they take wheelbarrows and they load the coals in wheelbarrows and these steel wheelbarrows. And then they put a wheelbarrow in between two lanes of sod, of grass. And, you know, it's about those those lanes of sod are about eh, three feet wide, probably 18 feet long. And again, they take a shovel and they sprinkle those coals onto those onto those lanes of grass. And that's what you walk on. Well, as you as I said earlier, I'm not doing it. So what are you going to do, Dave? Well, I'm just going to go hide out in the back (laughs) because nobody's going to know. Right. Well, of course, somebody's going to know. I'm going to know. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not toying with that. I'm, I, I, you know, the psychology of that. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just going to go hide out. Well, you think that's a good strategy? Eh, not so much. Why? Because Tony wants to make sure that you go through this experience, if at all possible. Because he knows it's going to create a paradigm shift. He knows this is one of the most powerful experiences on earth. And he doesn't want you to miss it. So what does he do? He trains people to come find you. (laughs) So I'm back there in the back thinking I'm safe, right? And all of a sudden, here comes this guy out of nowhere. And, And apparently, Tony trains them. When you make eye contact with these people, don't take your eyes off them. So here it comes this guy. And he makes eye contact with me and he's coming at me. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. This can't be real. And he gets probably, I don't know, 20, 25 feet from me. And he kind of leans into me and he, he's looking at me like with a puzzled look on his face. And he says, hey, are you okay? And when we're not okay, what do we say? Right? Yep. Oh, I'm all yep. good here, man. Yeah. Oh, no worries, mate. Yeah, we're all doing really good here. And, and he says, so here's a stranger, right? To this day, I don't know who this guy is. And he says, um, well, hey, are you going to walk tonight? And I kind of, with a little bit of anger in my voice, I went, absolutely not. And he goes, oh, hey, man, it's okay. It's cool. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I went, wow, okay, I like this guy. He's going to get me out of here. And then guess what, Dana? He asked me a question. One stranger, one question, changed my life forever. And to this day, I don't know who this guy is. And he said, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I remember thinking, kind of like a smart aleck, I'm like, yeah, I'd, like to, I'd love to watch these people burn their feet off. Let's do that. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, listen, man, you can't see anything from back here. I was 100 yards from where they were walking. Again, you got 3,000, 3,500 people in front of you. You can't see anything. He said, well, just, just get in line, <laughs> right? And eventually you'll be able to get up there. And he was right. He was telling the truth to, you know, in his defense. So I kind of got in line and I'm just kind of walking along and I'm hearing it, you know, and the drums are going and everybody's chanting and it's just intense. It's just an intense, intense evening, beautiful summer night. The moon's out. It's gorgeous. And the next thing I know, here comes this guy and he walks up to me and he whispers in my ear. And he goes, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. And then he, poof, just like that, he was gone. He just disappeared into the night. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And all of a sudden, I'm walking along, still can't see anything in front of me. And all of a sudden, I look at an angle, and I can see them. They're doing it. Every walk of life, male, female, black, white, green, blue, young, old, all of them, all, every type of person is walking. And now my brain's freaking out because I'm watching something that I've never seen before. I have no references for, and I have no idea. I'm just trying to figure it out. Why are they doing it? What's the metaphor for? I mean, you know, what? why are they doing this? And, I, and I'm just, and now I'm mesmerized. I'm just staring into the abyss watching these people walk. And all of a sudden I'm walking and guess the next thing I know, guess what happens? <laughs> I'm at the front of the line. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I'm there and it catches me by surprise. And I look down and the coals are on the lane, on that grass, and they're glowing bright red. There's a wheelbarrow there full of coals. I could feel the heat coming off, and I'm staring into the abyss. And as I'm staring into these these coals on that lane, there's a trainer standing there. Then all of a sudden, the trainer goes, eyes up. I'm like, oh, geez. (laughs) He's like, you know, he startles me, right? And now my eyes are up. Well, I'm in a room for 10 hours with Tony Robbins. Guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up. 
Don't stare at what you fear. Stare at the celebration in, at the end of the lane. That's where the reward is. And so now my eyes are up and he goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. And I went, yes. But I was leaving a lot on the table. I wasn't in a completely peak state. And that trainer knew that. So Mm -hmm. he kind of leaned into me and he screamed at me. And he's like, stronger. And like, now I'm like ticked off, right? Fight or flight kicks in. And I threw my hands in the air and I screamed as loud as I could. Yes. And he goes, go, go, go. And I took off. Well, here's the beauty. Here's the, here's the first thing I learned about fire walking. When you take the first step, kind of like life, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth, right? You don't get on that lane and stop. You, right. you, don't, you don't stop while you're standing on those calls. Well, Tony positions two people at the end, and they lock arms, and they catch you. And as soon as they catch you, they say, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. And so I'm wiping my feet, and I'm celebrating, and a girl reaches in and grabs me and pulls me out of the way, and she's going, you did it, you did it, you did it. And I'm going, I did it, I did it, I did it. And all of a sudden, I go, no, 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 wait, wait. No, 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 I'm not doing this. And, and, and all of a sudden, I realize I burnt myself really bad. I can feel the pain in my feet. I've like, I've completely torched my feet, right? And I lift up my right foot and I look at it and it's, it's dirty, but there's no burns. But my mind's telling me I'm burnt and I'm not. I'm like, oh, it's my other foot. I lift up my foot, my left foot. I look at it. It's dirty. There's no burns. I don't have one burn, nothing. And now I'm looking back at the coals. They're a thousand degrees. They're glowing. I just walked on coals that were a thousand degrees and I did not burn myself. And I had no clue how I did it. Ever done that? Ever done something really cool and you do it? You go, hey, I don't even know how I did that. But look at me. I did it. Look at this guy, right? (laughs) Hey, I did it. And so now I'm toying with that. Well, I mean, immediately you get a rush. I had just done something. It was extraordinary. I felt like I had just climbed Mount Everest. I mean, it was just exhilarating. And that exhilaration is now is permeating around you with 3,000 other people, everybody screaming and yelling and they're jumping up and down and they're excited. And it's just one of those experiences. You have no clue what it's like unless you experience it. But you know what? Here's where it gets really interesting, Dana, was the next day. So I went home and and I need to tell you, no, I did not take a shower. I did not clean my feet. I (laughs) I I wanted them to stay that way, right? And, but when I came into the event that next morning, I'm standing in the foyer with 3,500 people. And I'd never, ever, ever seen anything like this in my life. People were connecting humanistically unlike anything I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I'm watching them. I mean, people are laughing and they're crying and they're talking about the night before. And, and they're just, you know, they're hugging and they're embracing. And the realism... Uh, the humanistic side of people was so high. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's just that their, their, you know, their being, their, their mindset, their just, their vibration had been raised to such a high level that there was like this glow in the room, unlike anything I'd ever seen and witnessed in my life. It was absolutely spectacular to be there in that moment with all those people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that was it. They had me. I was, I was addicted to the firewalk right there on the spot. And so what I found out later was that Tony uses about 300 volunteers for events this size. And you could contact Robin's Research, and they would send you an application, which they did. I contacted them. You fill it out, and if you're lucky, they'll choose you. 
they did that. So a couple of months later, I found myself in Fort Lauderdale crewing for Tony Robbins. You know, you pay your own way. Uh, you pay your, you know, he doesn't, you, you come in as a volunteer. And because I had a military background and a security background, I got, uh, they, they, you know, they, when you fill it out, the form, you write down all the things you can do and that kind of thing. And then they kind of look at you and go, well, you might be good over here doing this, or you might be good over here doing that, whatever. Right. So they, they wanted to pull me into the security detail, which would, uh, I would be helping take care of Tony's celebrities. And then because I worked on a farm and I knew how to split wood and use tools and all that, they also pulled me into the fire building team. And so that would have been in 1990, late 95, 96, I became a subcontractor. And um, I worked in that position for quite some time. And then in 97, I, be, you know, becoming a subcontractor, they actually paid me to be there to work. And then in 2003, Tony brought me in and, and offered me the fire captain's position, which meant that I was in charge of all of it. Uh, in other words, I would build the team and we would take that team and we'd go somewhere in the world, wherever that was, and we would, uh, we'd build the fire, we'd do all the training, we'd get everything ready to go. Tony would bring out five, six, seven, eight, 12,000 people. We'd firewalk them, we'd clean it up, Dana, and then we'd go to the to the next city. Um, Tony even paid to have my family travel with me. When he first offered it to me, I declined it because I homeschooled. And they said, well, if we pay to have your kids travel with us, would that make a difference? And I'm like, yeah, of course it would. So the next thing I know, here's me and my family traveling with Tony Robbins. Uh, that started in, 19, in 2003. 2005, we set a world record in London where we did a fire walk for 12,300 people. And I say a world record. I don't believe there's any other fire walk that's been anywhere close to that size, that many people. Now, I do want to I do want to disclose Guinness was not there. They didn't record it, but I'm pretty sure we set a world record in 2005. And it didn't stop there. Um, in 2014, I'm driving down the road. And the next thing I know, this company, maybe you've heard of them called Google. <laughs> really? I, th I think I've heard of Google. Have you heard yeah. of those guys? They've heard of you too, by the way. <laughs> um, and then, and next next thing I know, I'm in discussions with them and negotiations with them. They wanted to hire me to bring me out to Mountain View, and uh, they had a class of executives, 148 of them, who were graduating, and they wanted to create a spectacular experience because Google gets it. They know that what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. So they had been in this nine-month curriculum, and they wanted to end it with something spectacular. And we actually ended up doing the glass walk. And we did the glass walk because the graduation was going to be during the day. And I don't do fire walks during the day. I only do them at night. I've got to be able to see those coals for mm -hmm. safety purposes. So that's when my, that's when really when the career started. Um, um, I created Firewalk Productions in 2014. I retired from Tony's organizations. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm on the Phoenix and Flame podcast with, <laughs> with Dana. So, you know, you know what I mean? It was just like, it's just been it's so organic. Because, you know, from, from uh, Google, we went to Notre Dame. We went to NASA. We went to Remax, Microsoft, Heineken, the EO organization. Um, 
you know, we just, it's, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and here we are today. And it's been and to, between Tony and I and my team that started in 2014, we've walked hundreds of thousands of people, including wow. my kids. My kids walked, uh, my daughter was six and my son was nine years old the first time they firewalked. And I've walked hundreds and hundreds of kids in, the, in those age brackets. And, and, and I love that more than anything else. Because if you give me a kid who's seven, eight years old, and, I, and we include the board break experience as well. So I teach them a martial arts move and I teach them how to break a board with their bare hand. And then they throw the board into the fire and I have them write some things on the board they want to move towards and some things they need to stop doing. And there's some other stuff that I do. And then, you know, they throw the board in the fire and then I firewalk them. It's literally one of the most life-changing experiences that not only for an adult, but any kid uh, that gets to experience something like that, it programs them. Because if you can walk on fire in the coals are a thousand degrees, the question is this, if I can do that, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. Right. That as I'm listening to you talk, a couple of things are coming to my mind because since I'm a psychotherapist, I get to hear a lot of people's stories and kind of walk alongside them in the dark places. And I hear a lot of fear. One of my expertise areas, things I love to do is to help people deal with anxiety and fear is the father of anxiety. Anxiety is kind of like a fear baby. And so it's like, I'm, that's what I'm hearing from you in lots of things I'm hearing from you. But one of them is facing fear. And what does that do to what if you don't face it? then what's, what does your life look like if you don't face it? And how, how can you, like for my listeners, I'm thinking twofold. One who might be struggling with fear and anxiety, which that's very, very prevalent. What would you say to them right where they are in terms of how do they be able, how do they make that, that turn to face something that they're so scared to face? And the second thing is for those people who are dealing with depression, which many times they just kind of feel like they're enveloped in this gray fog and they can't, they can't see past it. I, it seems like something like a firewalk or something would sort of push them to where they can see something beyond the fog. What are your words for people that are listening that are struggling currently with anxiety or depression and just can't seem to get beyond it? Well, fear's a liar, number one, as you said, right? So if we start with that, and the fears we don't face become our limits. I mean, fear is there to keep us alive. Um, what, we do, what we don't want it to do is become our jailer. And I think that's the, that's the main distinction. Again, back to what's, what's the acronym? You can create one or the other. Either face everything and rise or forget everything and run. And it really boils down to that. Because, I mean, at the firewalk, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Burn your feet off and die? No, it's not going to happen. You know, people talk to me all the time. Well, Dave, it's really dangerous. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's not true. That's Again, that's fear telling you something you have no references for. It was just like me when I was when I first got introduced, right? My buddy calls me on the phone. Hey, we're going to be doing a fire walk. I'm like, no. No, we're not doing that because fear took over. Hmm. So the bottom line is that, I mean, there's so many more things out there that are more dangerous. You know, if you've got kids, take your kids, take your kids to soccer or football or wrestling or baseball or anything. That is 10 times, maybe even higher, uh, more dangerous than any firewalk. Because, again, with a firewalk, what's the worst case scenario? You'll get a little blister on your foot. I've Dana, I've walked hundreds of thousands of people. No one's ever been hospitalized and we've never been sued. 
So it's, you know what I mean? It sounds really dangerous. I get that. Sure, of course it does. And I agree with that. However, once you've done it, you go, wow, what an amazing experience. Because again, what we don't know is the fear of the unknown. And, and, and you know, and we, we know that. Who was it? Was it? Who said that? Eisenhower? Or was it Roosevelt? One of them said, you know, the, the greatest fears in our life is the, you know, is the, is the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, the greatest fear is fear itself. And that's true. So the beautiful is it's so it's, it's just so opening to you. Once you step through a fear like that and you do it, you go, wow, OK, I needed that. I needed to be able to step through that because now where can my life take me? And um, and again, I've seen so many people do that. Tony and I were in Tampa Bay many, many years ago, I think right around maybe 99. And we were down there and there was a collegiate athlete, this high school kid, unbelievable athlete, football, baseball, all of it. And he got hit by a drunk driver and he lost both legs. And so his whole identity went up in smoke and, you know, less of, you know, a matter of minutes, right? Because he went from being this unbelievable athlete to having no legs. So you can imagine what was going on in his head, the limiting beliefs that were coming in, what he was telling himself, he would never, he would never amount to every, anything. He could never have a family. No woman would ever love him. He'll never be able to jump and play baseball and all these things, right? Just going crazy in his head. So he was contemplating suicide. Well, one of his buddies said, listen, man, before you do that, you know, I know you watch Tony Robbins, Tony's coming to town. Why don't you go see him before you take your own life? And so next thing I know, I'm out at the firewalk. It's, it's midnight. Here we go. You know, Tony's bringing out 6,000 people to us. And I would always shovel Tony's lanes for him. And all of a sudden, Tony looked, he kind of looked behind me and he looked at me like he gave me this really weird look. And I went, what's going on? Right. I knew something was about to happen. And all of a sudden, because it's dark, I couldn't really see. And the next thing I know, there's this kid in his wheelchair and he's got this turbo kind of wheelchair. Like he can lift it up and move it side to side because he had a obviously he still had a lot of upper body strength. He had, you know, arms and shoulders and chest and all that. And all of a sudden he gets to the fire lane and he, Tony bends down to talk to him. And this kid like pushes him away. Like, no, go away. I got this. And the next thing we know. He, he, he maneuvered himself, that, that wheelchair up to that fire lane. He kind of moved his torso, and then he just flipped himself forward like a gymnast, if you will. He landed on his hands, and he walked across the fire on his hands. And that moment in my life was one of the most profound things I'd ever seen. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I get it. I, I, now I know why I'm here. Because I believe that the two most important times in anyone's life is, is the moment you were born and the moment you figure out why. There's always a greater purpose to things. And for me, I was getting ready to blow my brains out and got to AA and I realized there, it's like, wow, there's a lot more to life. You know, this God, the universe, source, whatever, you, however you reference that in your life, you know, AA teaches you that there's a power greater than you. And I accepted that. And it, and it also, you know, it, it, with the 12 steps, it allows you to put your life back together. It shows you how to use the program, how to make amends, 
how to deal with your character defects, how to deal with your shortcomings, and then you have the maintenance steps, right? You continue to help others uh, achieve sobriety. The 12 traditions are designed to keep the group and, and, and all the members together. Uh, because there's, you know, nobody's in charge. We're just trusted servants. But in the middle, Dana, there's a preamble. And the preamble says, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of A to be there, hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. And the moment I saw that kid walk on, walk on his hands, I knew I was responsible. Uh, the, the moment I knew that when somebody walks in the doors of AA, their life's on the line. This ain't the Lions Club. This ain't the Qantas Club. Right? This ain't the Chamber of Commerce. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and if we don't do what we're supposed to do, um, that person will lose their life. And, and so, you know, again, for that, I'm responsible. So it was kind of like this mixture of all these things and coming to realize that there is a divine purpose for all of us. You know, they say the chances of being born are one in 400 trillion. That's pretty much off the chart. Wow. And so taking your own life is, you know, one of the things I talk about too, a lot of my seminars is um, I talk about, I go back 12 generations. So if we, you and I go, like for you and I to be here right now on this podcast, what had to happen? Well, if we go back in Dana's um, heritage, right, we go back 12 generations. How many people is that? Right? Because you got to start with your parents. Then you got to go with your grandparents. Then you got to go with your great, great grandparents and then your great, great, great grandparents. And if you go out 12 generations, that covers 400 years. How many people is that? 4,094 people. And 100 years ago, you had to get up and go kill the rabbit. You didn't go down and buy it at a grocery store. So life was hard. Life was very much harder 100 years ago, 400 years ago. It was unbelievable. And so 494 people, everything they did was for me to be here with you right now, Dana. And so I, 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 I respect that. I honor that. And I think it was, um, uh, who said it? I'll think of it in a minute. One of, one of the gurus, you know, I, 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 personal development, I'm reading every day, I'm studying, you know, I keep myself in that positive flow if I possibly can. I think it was Grant Cardone that said it. And I think he said that in every family tree like that, where you go have 4,094 people that all sacrificed everything so that we can be on this planet right now, he said, Every so often, one of those people rises up, like you said, like the phoenix and the flame, and takes, the, takes that family in a completely different direction. Um, and, you know, I, I say to this day, do the things that are hard, and your life will become easier. Do the things that are easy, and life's going to get really hard. Mm-hmm. Dave, you are you are so uh, passionate about everything that you've gone through, and it, it comes across. And I, I feel like I could sit here and just listen to you talk for hours, and just oh, never you. You, you would never say the same thing twice. And it would all it would all matter um, for people that know me. They know that uh, I get bored very easily, and you have kept me riveted this entire time. And I feel like you could continue to talk and I would still, cause I'm also thinking not only from my own ear, but the ears of the people that are listening where they might be in their life. And 
I'm always thinking about the things that my my guest is saying, and is it going to be helpful to my listeners? And oh my gosh, this has just been absolutely amazing. Now, let me ask you, where do my listeners need to go to be able to access more of you, more of Dave Albin, to be able to to find out more <laughs> about you? Um, what sure? What's out there? Um. Well, uh, this, the most simplistic way to get a hold of me is just go to our website, which is uh, www.firewalkadventures.com. So it's all one word, firewalkadventures.com. And when you get there, uh, all my contact information is there. Um, I do an academy once a year, Dana. It's called the Dave Alvin Firewalk Academy. And what's what this what this experience is about is let's say there's a company out there, a corporation, and they want to send somebody to me and have me train them and then get them ready. And then I send them back into their own company and their own corporation to facilitate the experiences that they would hire me to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, That academy is held every October and we limit that to about 10 people per event. And again, that's uh, that's on my website. It's the Firewalk Academy. Everything else is in there. The Firewalk experience, the glass walk, the board break, the arrow break, the rebar bending, uh, everything else that we do is on the website as well. And then I also have a, a group of, of affiliates that I work really closely with that offer incredible products or services. So those uh, companies are also on our website. So yeah, www.firewalkadventures.com. All right. Dave Albin, thank you so much for inspiring my listeners, for helping them to think about ways to face the fear and move beyond the fear. That fear does not have to be their jailer, like you said earlier. They don't have to be in a cage of fear, that there's something on the other side of it they're not stuck, or whether it's depression or they feel like this is all they have. You have shared so much today that would, would help my listeners realize, let's go beyond. I'm not stuck here. I can face these things. I'm strong. I have strength that I didn't realize I had. That's right. Thank Absolutely. you so much. It's all right. My pleasure. For you listeners out there, I know that this podcast episode has been just mind-blowing and inspirational and passionate and amazing please share it. We want to grow our Phoenix and Flame community. We can reach out to one another in a way that we know we're not alone. There's other people out there that are struggling with things like what we're struggling with and how do other people make it? How do they do it? How do they pull themselves out of the ashes? How do they rise to become the Phoenix? And so take the link and copy and paste it in text, copy and paste it in email, put it on your favorite social media sites, Let's get the episode out there. Let's share it. Maybe you know a friend or you know a family member or a coworker that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I know the exact person that needs to hear Dave talk about the firewalk and his experience and what his life was like and how he came you know, beyond that, how he pushed beyond that, and also what's available to go to his site and, and check that out. So thank you for doing that. I hope you're having a wonderful day. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.